You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, your host, Ben Eagle. For previous episodes, visit thinkingcountry.com or find the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud by searching for Meet the Farmers. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Meet the Farmers. Today I'm in Suffolk with Sally and Sean Bendel, who run Hollow Trees Farm, which is a 140-acre farm just west of Ipswich. Hollow Trees is primarily an open farm, farm shop and cafe, which welcomes many thousands of visitors each year. While on the farm, visitors can follow the Bendel's farm trail, during which they'll come face-to-face with various animals. They can also buy fresh produce in the shop, all grown on the farm, from veg to meat. Now, before we get into the serious stuff, I want to talk about triathlons. Let's go straight in. Um, Because, Sean, you're very into your fitness. Tell me about all of that, because I am, listeners, I am trying to spearhead at the moment Farm Runner, hashtag Farm Runner. Please search for that on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Basic idea behind Farm Runner. It's very simple. If you're a farmer, go for a run on your farm, take a little video, use the hashtag Farm Runner. um, And the whole idea behind that is that partly it's about showing off what you're doing on your farm, and partly also, but together we'll hopefully motivate each other to um, to get a bit fitter. But here we already have a fit farmer. <laughs> so yeah, Sean, tell me about yeah, tell me about what, what you're doing fitness wise. Yeah, so I um, came back from uni a few years ago, and and um, I've always been sporty. I, I swam when I was younger and things like that. But um, I wanted something to keep me busy post uni in, in quiet Suffolk. So we actually sat around the dinner table. I'd looked at loads of different sports clubs, and I was like well I can swim, I can do a bit of running and I've got a bike so I decided to um, put them all together, together, join my local triathlon club Um, so I did and then just yeah it it spiralled from there really so I do um, quite a bit of it now and it keeps me busy both before work and after work as well. Do you find certainly that that's marrying of keeping physically fit helps you in the business? Yeah, definitely. Um, Our role is very physical. Um, I do a lot with the school children, so we take them around the farm and um, show them what we've got on the farm and I'm on my feet all day, as well as at the events as well that we do. So again, I'm on my feet all day. So just being able to move around and stuff, it definitely helps being fit. Sally, take me back to 1986. Just mm-hmm. when you first moved here? Yeah. Um, to what was then, as I understand it, about a 10 acre plot? Yeah, that's right. Yes, it was just 10 acres. Basically, we, my husband Robert and myself had farmed on a small holding uh, Ipswich Way, but we wanted uh, a farm of our own. Robert said to me one Christmas, what do you want? I said, a farm of our own. Um, and being an obliging husband, he asked his father, who'd got the 140 acres farmed arably at the time, and viably, arably, um, if we could just rent 10 acres because where we were at the time, there was uh, no opportunity of progressing for a house or anything. But, yeah, so we moved a caravan here and took 10 of the 140 acres, parked it under a big hollow tree, which still exists, and hence hollow trees. Yeah, so that was 1986. And we, we moved our agricultural enterprise here, which was calves. We were rearing calves through their weaning stage. Um, and, and Robert's really good at growing, so he was growing some vegetables, potatoes and the likes. And we started with just a roadside table, to be honest. Uh, and then 
as those older listeners will probably remember, there was global markets, Chernobyl, etc., milk mounted, all sorts of things externally made calf prices go sky high. Um, and we found ourselves financially in a bit of trouble. And the thing that was doing well was the roadside table. So that obliging husband asked me again, what would I like? And I, <laughs> I said, a shed, please, so I can build a farm shop. And that was uh, 1986, 87 time. Okay. 87, obviously, was the hurricane that we had. So that wasn't brilliantly easy. We had our first son that night as well, so that was interesting. <laughs> yes. We don't do things sort of, uh, you know, just the norm here at Hollow Trees. But, yeah, so, uh, and it's just grown from there. It's been an evolution because we had, in honesty, got ourselves into financial sort of issues and we vowed never to do that again. So we've never borrowed heavily or anything. We've just gone as we could when we could. So it was all about recognising which bit of the business was doing slightly better than one time. Absolutely, yeah. Boost, put a little bit of investment into that and yeah. see where that goes yeah. and then grow, yeah. gradually exactly. Together. So something has to pay for itself before we reinvest and reinvest. Sean, if you could sum up in a few sentences what you're trying to do here at Hollow Trees and what, what your main aims are for the business today. Yeah, we've always had an open farm um, ever since mum and dad started it. And it's written in our, our mission statement is to allow access to agriculture for all. The, the second part of that is through food, education, fun and adventure and employment. So you've got the food in the farm shops that offering great food that we grow here on the site or, or meat from the butchery. Um, education, like I said, we take schools in, so showing them what we do on site. Fun and adventure is the farm trail really, allowing access to agriculture through children feeding the animals, enjoying just sliding down a muddy hill, going on rope swings, that sort of thing and employment. So we employ 70 plus people now. So just allowing um, the community of job opportunities in agriculture. So yeah, it's really about being open on our farm and allowing access for people. If we could sort of split your enterprise up, perhaps focusing on the production side, first of all, mm-hmm. um, what are you producing on the farm? Vegetables. Uh, main, we're on heavy clay land here in our farm in Suffolk, and so it's mainly brassicas, we produce the cabbages, the sprouts, the likes. Uh, so we're doing vegetables on that front. We also produce our own beef, pork, lamb and goat. And we have a flock of free-range hens, so we've got uh, eggs as well. And a plant centre where we produce the majority of the plants uh, for that and grow some flowers as well. And all that comes into the shop and is sold. Nothing is sold elsewhere. So it either goes into the butchery and then we do a lot of added value. We've got chefs producing sausage rolls with the pork as a basic example. And the cafe that we have here, it's only our own meat there and it's all cooked from scratch. So there's nothing that goes elsewhere apart from a small acreage of arable that we have to keep the rotation in and also to keep us a good mixed farm to offer the field to fork offer for the education that Sean does a lot of now. So. How long have you had the butchery on site? Um, we've always, or I say always, we originally put in a freezer when freezers were more popular, um, probably about in our tiny farm shop, possibly about 20 years ago. And it was an, always an ambition that we would have a butchery. But um, given the policy I spoke about earlier, that was something would make itself pay. And we... we 
decided to go cafe on site before we went butchery and cafe worked. And so the butchery is, I think, six or so, six years old, only six years old, and now is up to about 40% of our turnover within the shop. So it's uh, really storming ahead. So when and why did you decide to bring people, the public, onto the farm? As Sean said earlier, we've always had an open farm policy. We've always been quite allowing people to look at the animals. And we had calves, and calves are always an attraction. People love to see, you know, and so they'd come to this roadside table and call, can we just pop in and have a look at the animals? So as well as doing calves, beef calves through their weaning stage, we also did, for a short time, loose house veal calves which again have that word veal, has a stigma attached mm-hmm. to it. So we were also quite proud of our loose house veal system, you know, and so it was come and see what we do. We've nothing to hide, which has always been how we feel. Um, so the combination of people wanting to see little calves and for us wanting to say to people, come and see how we do it because, you know, farming can have a reputation where we're not doing things properly. Uh, meant we've got people all over the place and that was becoming um, as much as nice it was it was becoming a bit of an issue so I recall a friend coming to me one uh, September time and saying why don't you put this into a proper path round why don't you sort of get it so you only know where people are going so you don't find them in your garden on the children's trampoline which we did one day (laughs) (laughs) things like that so we did it was like a light bulb moment for me by the October this was September by the October we'd got the start of what we call is now our farm trail which was a route around um, the fields and farm and that has expanded beyond yeah, how, how have you developed the farm trail over time or is it fairly similar to how it was on the basics are there that it goes through the livestock barn so you literally see the animals that are coming into the butchery um, but the competition has uh, increased for farm attractions since we've been here 30 odd years and it's increased dramatically and people's leisure time competition has, uh, has increased as well for 20 years, I think it was, it was free. We didn't make a charge for it. Um, we saw it as a marketing exercise um, to bring people to our little village and our farm shop, come and see our animals as well. Uh, so it was free. It then became a monster in that, uh, you know, it was so popular. Uh, and one, one Easter we had so many people on site we couldn't get out of our house with our cars and things like this wow. so we decided to put a whopping charge of pound fifty on it <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a civil war really was wasn't it yeah. it was a terrible terrible time and I know that might sound silly to no, I can be- <laughs> <laughs> you know when you've given people something free for 20 odd years um, to start saying there's a charge it was, um, and we were called greedy farmers so many times, so much so that as a, the staff would have, we had less staff then, but they had like an army helmet and a can of raid behind <laughs> behind the counters as a joke, you know, because it was like the next person that shouts at me about this. But it was actually, it was quite an upsetting time as well because people were genuinely um, 
upset and some were abusive about it as well for that charge but it was you know stick it out stick it out and we'd go and see a few other places that were more money and it was like we've got more more to offer so we've got to stick it out which we did and and obviously haven't looked back from there you know we've gradually put it up and uh, the general fee now is 3.95 normal times but summertime we up it and uh, and put more activity on it. It's still great value for money, you know, but because um, there's obviously the 20% VAT on that as well, so it's not all money coming straight back yeah. into our coffers. But And so it's expanded. With that investment, we were able to put the necessary toilets on there. We were able to put more activities out there and employ more skilled staff to man these things as well. So... That's yeah. an interesting point as you just alluded to in, in that section. And I, and I get this quite a lot with livestock farmers and the whole vegan anti-livestock brigade of actually feeling threatened. What is your feeling at the moment within the farming community of being on the defensive? Or do you feel, because there's a, it's a strange time in terms of there's lots of change going on, um, do you feel that farmers feel threatened or do you feel like it's very much uh, put a wall up and, and go on business as usual? I think it is a very difficult time. We are bringing public onto our farm and, and the general public, we're bringing schools in and, and they all have different views that they're, they're welcome to. But I think our, we want to show them what we do, um, what we do and what other farmers do. Yeah. If they decide not to eat meat, then, then that's their choice. But we want to help inform that choice for them. So I don't think we need to put a barrier up and things. It can make you feel uncomfortable when there are groups about and you know Mm. if if they're vegetarian or vegan or something like that and you know that they are it can make you feel quite uneasy about some of the comments that they might come out with either on social media or or to your face about your choices that you make by living working on a farm but I think we try and just be be open about it yeah you know we're we're open in the fact that we take some of our school children, we give them the choice, yeah. and that's we always give them the choice to go into the butchery um, and talk to the butchers and see a carcass. And we're talking some really quite young children, and there is, and we talk to the teachers and say there is no compulsion to do this. Um, and the butchers are very clear about what they do. And, and as Sean said, it, it is a difficult time, and it has got harder particularly the groups coming in, some of the young children that are mm. um, vegan, aren't they? And, and with all due respect, sometimes they, they haven't seen the other side of the argument. Mm. Um, and whilst we're not wanting to, you know, get on our soapbox about it, I think we try and offer a balanced view. And we have a vegan menu in our cafe. Yeah. Um, we have so vegan... plenty of vegetables. <laughs> plenty of vegetables, yeah, exactly. you know. And so, uh, you know, we, we always... We try and accommodate our vegans as well, you know, as our meat eaters as well. Um, but as a farmer, we try and have a balanced view about it and not ram it down people's throats at all, but say, this, hey, this is how we're doing it. Come and look, you know, if you're not happy with how you feel we treat it, our animals and whatever, come and see us. Because everything at Hollow Trees is on show. There is no, no out the back where you keep, you know, your animals that go through anyway everything what you see today is what will end up in our butchery um as well so i think i think people respect that yeah. as well 
the fact that we're not hiding anything. Um, and if we're doing anything wrong, they will soon tell us. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your education programme and the different groups that you cater for. Yeah, so we have um, loads of different groups. We, we mainly have primary school. Um, it's come from sort of all over, like I say, the different towns. Um, so we run March till September, just, just when the weather's a bit better. Um, and we can do anything, um, any topics, link it into um, school curriculums, food discovery, field to fork, that sort of thing. We do topics on four seasons, um, farming business. Um, we can also have older students in and college students we've done before, as well as sort of evening visits with brownies, rainbows, beavers, that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. So um, last year we had about 72 groups in, which is about 2,500 different pupils or, or students. So that was really good. And, and like I say, it's, it's a big mix of different types of groups, um, but mainly primary school, yeah. I'd say. What advice would you give to a farmer who was going to open up their doors to the public? <laughs> in, an, in an education setting, my advice would be to be organised and to be safe. A school is going to visit your farm, and it goes to the general public as well, as, as, especially a school will visit your farm if they feel it's a safe opportunity for their children to learn. And I think farms um, that aren't open to the public can quite often um, be scared about opening to the public because of all, all, the, all the risks and things. Mm. But it's just about being um, sensible and managing those risks and, and, and things like that. I think that's really important for a school to know that they're coming to um, a safe mm. farm. And a structured visit, I yeah. would say. We've built up a, a template for mm. these visits. And I think when you've got groups of them, we can take groups up to 90, 90. Um, yeah. pupils at one time and you have to have a structure and you have to be organised. Yeah. Um, the minute you lose that, then as Sean says, your visit becomes unsafe, unruly, the teachers don't like it, you know, it's stressful, children uh, don't enjoy it or get anything out of it. So. A structure, I would always advise, wouldn't yeah. you? And that goes with the with the farm trail as well. If they if you're opening up your farm just to the general public, when we say about safety and structure and organisation, like we mentioned before, we've now got a route on the farm trail. It's a circular route. They can't go off those paths, yeah. um, and, and things like that. Mm. The dreaded B word. Will you be affected by Brexit at all here? I think our farm shop will be. Um, initially, uh, because whilst I've said we can grow the brassicas, we can't do the fruit that, you know, uh, one of our, our aims has been to become a, a virtual one-stop shop for our rural visitors. Okay. So that, you know, we buy in the fruit, we buy in the veg that we can't grow, and we're at the mercy of the markets, uh, which generally take what the supermarkets don't have um, and those that don't supply in big contracts. And that is something that's changed in our farm shop lifetime. The, the markets have become, uh, you know, there's less choice there. And I think uh, fresh produce will be hit initially, um, whether we have deal or no deal. Um, there is, it, it can't, you know, continue as it is. So I think there will be a few months of uncertainty of what we can and can't get because unfortunately I think, you know, the guys that are bigger than us will take the first pick 
if there's a shortage of, I don't know, let's say, and a particular apple or something, it's not going to be hollow trees that are going to get first choice on that apple. You know, if it's something people want, um, quite, I'm trying to think of something that, you know, we don't grow melons or something, you know, it's going to be the big boys that are going to have that first and the markets will suffer, I think. Um, and whilst we don't have Eastern European labour, as I've said earlier, you know, the labour market has got harder and the pool has got smaller. Um, and I think that will have an effect or is already having a bit of an effect as at the moment. So, yeah, it will affect us. But I hope we've got a business... Well, I'm 90% confident we've got a business that's resilient to it because that's all you can do. Thinking optimistically about the future, what are you excited for for the next few years? I think both of us would um, love to continue with the education and, and building that. Um, we know that we'd love to have more people, different groups on site and, and um, an education hub just to show people that there's more to farming than driving tractors and things like that, which I've said before. We just want to show people that um, this is where their food comes from. Um, the, these are your opportunities in farming as well. And, um, yeah, there's so much more that we can do. And I think we, we both have that passion for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sean has taken the education on for myself, which is great. And I'm really excited watching her grow it. And, um, you know, we're trying to forge links with the older students, yeah. aren't we? Uh, so it's pulling that together. But also we have a very young team that run the whole place now. Mm. You know, it's a big team. Uh, and we've got a team of young managers that um, we've, we've been on a strategy to, to get a team together. So I'm quite excited yeah. to see how we can let them move forward, or not let them, but, you know, help them move forward um, so that Robert and I, as, you know, the older ones, can start to stand back a bit. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that as well. So um, you can have more holidays. So I can have more <laughs> holidays. <laughs> yeah. Before we do the one-minute soapbox, uh, Sally, can you tell me a bit about your time at Eastern Otley College? Um, I don't have holidays, but I do get off the farm because I uh, do lots of other voluntary uh, agricultural work, one of which was uh, Chair of Governors at Eastern and Otley College. Um, and help them merge together, which unfortunately, sadly, now is is uh, going to be uh, demerging. Since, oh, yeah, I mean it's under consultation at the okay. moment, and I think it's just indicative of the of the industry and, and the way things are. Standalone agricultural colleges are are just fail, you know, falling off. They're merging with general FE, which is what's happening with the college. So you know, as a farmer. I've been, you know, prior to getting involved with the educational establishment, I've been very cynical, thinking they have the summer holidays off and everything else, and, all, and where we farmers are all struggling to get our straw in and all this sort of thing. But um, in honesty, I saw a different, a different setup, you know, in that it is tough and very tough trying to deliver, particularly vocational education um, nowadays and funding government moving goalposts every two minutes and particularly in college funding that wasn't ring fenced has just 
uh, not helped at all. But, um, you know, some fantastic students, some fantastic people that are passionate about education that I hadn't realised were out there. So it's, it was a great time. As I say, it's change ahead with the college now. But um, I think... Unfortunately, that is the way all college education is going, not just our local ones. So they, you know, they merge as, as you get, everything is merging, councils are merging, colleges are merging, you know, it's all happening, isn't it, to cut costs, because that's the environment we're in now. Right, one minute soapbox. <laughs> so I don't know which one of you are going to do this yet, or you, you can both do it if you want. But, uh, so, so listeners, this gives guests an opportunity to speak for one minute on a subject of their choice. Um, just getting one minute up on the clock. Who wants to do this? Okay, well, let, we'll both do it if you like. Okay. okay. Sally first. Okay. So, Sally, if you can introduce your subject, you have one minute to talk on it starting now. Okay, so my subject is please don't dismiss our youth. The youth of today that people <laughs> are always saying are on their phones and everything else, and they're not. We in our team have 34 students and a rolling programme of students all in education, and they are the lifeblood of this place. And, um, yeah, we need a bit of management of them. They are high maintenance at times, but please, uh, my plea is to stick with them and you will find people out there that you never thought could do things. For instance, I'm thinking of a boy that came to us who uh, started on our dishwasher in the cafe. And my goodness, I wanted to sack him a million times. <laughs> Absolutely did. He was useless. He went into the butchery, started an apprentice, and sadly, as great as he was, it didn't quite fit. Turns went up. out on the farm and is now has taken level three agriculture, top student, and now with a top seed merchant, found his niche. Brilliant. <laughs> so sorry. I stop this. Do you want to do it as well? I don't know. I think it's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I could go on and on. Oh, you don't have to do the same. Once you get on it. Yeah, once you get on it. Okay, Sean, you have one minute. <clears throat> Introduce our subject starting now. Um, so my subject is childhood obesity. It's something that I really want to change and I think farming is so linked to that um, and perhaps many people don't see that. I think it is so important to be able to show these children where their food comes from and there is so much more um, in, inside nowadays and we've got the opportunity here on the farm to be able to let them run around outside and to play games outside and to, like I say, go on those rope swings and things like that. Um, and just enjoy the great outdoors. We have different um, sort of like wild farm clubs to um, get them out here and enjoying being outside, but also um, with, with wildlife and, and nature and farming as well. Um, but going back to the point, just showing them where their food is from so that then they can make the decisions about what they choose to eat. Very good. No, it's super. Um, I don't want either of you have time. I'd love to have a quick look around as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, go around. Stan, so your buildings, first of all, yeah. which we've just been in, which houses your farm shop. What, so, did, what, what did this area, and we've got the car park ahead of us, what did this area look like um, yeah, yeah, so when you were first we here? Before we even started, this was just a green paddock. Pony, a couple of ponies for the farm sort of on this paddock here and uh, we took brought our caravan under uh, this big 
hollow tree that we've got beside us. And the building we've just sat in was one of our original calf sheds. Okay. And so we converted that into, um, say, gradually a shop and so on. And then, ironically, it became a bit of an issue that we'd got animals next to shop and flies and pigs and all beside each other. So we then took the farm, the second farm building and replaced it and, re and moved it to what's now our farmyard. So we've actually moved the farmyard and then we extended the shops. So, yeah, so, and car park has always been an issue. Um, <laughs> uh, the bigger we get, the more car park we need. So, yeah, you can see in front of you lots and lots of cars and that's gradually uh, increased and is never enough and our house is now surrounded by cars as well we live in the centre of all of this uh, why not, yeah, why not? <laughs> so is that on a typical day how many visitors do you get a uh, typical day just thinking about uh, I know that must vary through the year but yeah it does vary quite a lot through the year really what we're thinking about an average of 500 yeah I'd say about about that it, it, like we say it varies at different times of the year I can kind of think of some numbers for say our 10-day Halloween event so that's over October half term one of our busiest times on the farm trail and over, I like the pun <laughs> yeah it's good <laughs> over the 10 days we'll see sort of um, 15,000 people through so that's a, a figure I've got in my head um, but that's that's one of our busier times and it sort of depends if you've got people just coming to the farm trail as a, you know, families or whatever, or you've just got people coming to the farm shop to buy sort of their tea, or people just coming to the cafe. And the real challenge is to get people from the farm trail, the families, the youngsters, to get into the farm shop to see the good food um, that we're growing here. So if you built the place again, you, you wouldn't do it like this. You'd put the farm trail entrance going through the shop, you know. Um, put your house in the middle of it. And you wouldn't put your house in the middle. <laughs> I can promise you that. Well, it's not a perfect world. No. So, so this is the beginning of the farm trail? Uh, yes, it is, yeah. yeah. Just this, as we walk up here, this is the start of the trail. And again, this is something that's moved completely from one side of the farm to the other to make it a more circular route. So we're into shed number one, we have, we, we have cattle, goats and pigs alongside each other. Is that quite important to have uh, different species in this quite a small area from an from a access point of view? Yeah, it is, um, but we don't, we don't do it purposely. Um, we still consider ourselves a working farm, yeah. despite the fact we've got people everywhere. <laughs> you know, so the reason the animals are where they are is because they need to be in because the pigs are growing on or, you know, um, you know, we need to be weaning the lambs or something like that. They go where they need to for the yep. farming bit of it, not yeah. for the public bit of it. You're not cordoning off a certain... You're, no. you're, 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 like your you're cream of the crop yeah. Um, yeah. to go in a certain area. And then no. put, put the only around. thing we might do is, you know, um, sometimes on very, very busy days, the goats can get overfed because they're a bit uh, enthusiastic yeah. about coming to the visitors. OK. So we might move the goats around a bit simply for their own sort of... Um, you know, welfare. welfare. Yeah, yes. like. uh, you know, because like we've said, numbers vary so much from, yeah. you know, some days a thousand on our really busy days to down to some wet day 20. And so you, you have to adjust your food for your animals accordingly. Yeah. You know. Most of the trees that we're walking through, uh, Robert has planted. Um, 
you know, as I say, this wall was all sort of, you know, paddock or whatever. Um, so got going through quite a lot of dense trees now, I suppose. So over the years, we've just continually planted trees. And, you know, I think in probably 10 years' time, the whole place is going to be a lot different because there's been so many trees planted. Yeah. I was going to say, how often do you actually get out onto the trail, both of you? Um, I was out three times on it yesterday. Okay. I, don't, I go through stages where some weeks I'll be out here a lot, other weeks not, you know, it'll be in the, um, you know, in the office for a week and then come yeah. out, you know. Yeah. You're out most days on it with your school. I was going to say, Sean, I take it, yeah, with the, with the education side, I reckon you're on this most of the time. Yeah, a lot of the time I'll be out here. So one of um, my team or myself will check the farm trail each morning. We have to do safety checks. So um, depending who's available, it'll be one of us to do those. And then, um, yeah, with the schools, we, we come out here. And if you're lucky enough to have a group of 90, we'll be around here three times in a day. <laughs> um, but no, and uh, normally, like Mum said, you'll spot something that you want to change, a sign or something. So you end up walking back around here yeah. um, plenty of times. It's not a long route, is it? No, it's about 800 metres if you just do the circular... Okay. Um, route but from running it in the mornings. <laughs> the sort of mixed ages, that works quite well. Yeah, and, and we've got different bits that they can go down into, so extra bits and pieces that they can branch off and do. But yeah, it's a, it's a reasonable distance for, for most people. Yeah. And moving down the hill. So we're coming into playground because you've got everything here, haven't you? So this is what we call Pogel's Pit and Event uh, originally. Um, this was just overgrown, um, well it was our neighbours and we swapped some land with him and it was an old brick pit. This bit in here, you'll see in a second, is where all of the trees and things are. It's completely overgrown, you wouldn't have known you could do anything here, but the more you cleared the space, it was a bigger and bigger space, if that makes sense. Yeah. <coughs> Sign around. Again, this way to turn the sign around. Uh, see, this is, this is the <laughs> thing about wandering the trail, isn't it? Yeah, you always see something. Yeah. So it's closed and um, it's open. These are Crestoran grass sledges, or Crestoran sledges, okay. and they're really popular. We always get asked when, when they're opening. They're just on a little wooden track down a fairly small hill, yeah. um, but the incline, they just whiz down the, uh, down the track, and they love it. <laughs> and this is our latest investment. Well, one of our investments was our barrel tray. Okay. Um, we bought this last year for Halloween. <laughs> And, <laughs> yeah, anybody who works on the farm, you know, they're, they're out there sort of picking veg one minute and driving yeah. the barrel train the next. It's not your norm farm work. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking. An amaze maze? Yeah. So this will, this comes into its own in our October half term event. Um, and then the cattle or whoever goes into it after us. Nothing, everything pays its way, as we've always said. Yeah. You know, so uh, the animals go on it afterwards. But So this one is specifically for the October event, which, as Sean said, there's so many people that we've kept a separate maze for that. And the wildflower one, which looks more like a wild thistle one this year, is for the summer, and that should be more of wildflowers, shouldn't it? But yeah. yeah. Past years, we've had wonderful sunflowers and all sorts of colour, but this year the thistles seem to have got the better of it, don't yeah. they? So, 
Um, this is a, this is one of the uh, simple investments of yoga balls. Not sure whether they're being used for yoga. <laughs> no, but they're all for, for for kicking around and like we said earlier, it's just about getting them outdoors, getting them active, and, and just a really simple thing of having some yoga balls out here for them to play football with or. Yeah. It's the typical car- carpal box thing, isn't it? You don't need... You can put anything there. Yeah. It's what people make of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's the simple things, and we've always maintained that. As I say, our market isn't the high, scary, high, um, you know, roller coaster rides or anything like that. It's being on the farm and, and just having some fun. Yeah. So what, what are your opening hours? Um, so the farm shop opens at 8.30 until 5.45. Um, farm trail is just a bit shorter than that but yeah and, and a Sunday nine till five. Sean and Sally Bendel at Hollow Trees Farm. You can find out more about Hollow Trees by visiting our website which is hollowtrees.co.uk. Next time we're sticking with open farms and I will be meeting Fiona Siddle at Eastern Farm Park so we're sticking in Suffolk. All that. In the meantime you can catch all previous episodes at thinkingcountry.com and selected episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, or eatfarmnow.com. I'll look forward to joining me next time on Meet the Farmers.